With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Listening to Dr. Rob White with the AULC Ministries. Scan the QR code to visit our website at AULC.us and find us on Roku, Amazon Fire TV, and TalkShoe. The following presentation is from a new series from Dr. Rob White called Blast from the Past. In this series, Dr. Rob will feature past sermons that were recorded live. We hope you enjoy this new series. Let's begin with a prayer today. Heavenly Father, we come, we open your word, and we prepare to hear your voice. We prepare to hear words that you gave us more than 2,000 years ago to let us know how relevant they are today. And as we celebrate this day of honoring mothers, we want to hear what you have to say about that. So open our ears, our hearts, our minds, and our, our eyes to what you have to say, what you have to tell us today as we get into your word and continue to praise and worship you today. We ask this in your son Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. There's a cartoon in a Saturday Evening Post. It shows a young boy. He's about five or six years old, and he's talking on the phone. He says, well, mom's in the hospital. And the twins, and Roxy, and Billy, and Sally, and the dog, and me, and Dad, well, we're all home alone. Shows how much a mom is needed in the house, I guess. Our gospel lesson comes from the gospel book of John, chapter 14, verses 15 to 21. If you love me, you will keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. He is the spirit of truth. The world is unable to receive him because it doesn't see him or know him. But you do know him because he remains with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I am coming to you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In a little while, the world will see me no longer. But you will see me because I live. You will live too. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father. You are in me and I am in you. The one who has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. And the one who loves me will be loved by my Father. I will also love him and will reveal myself to him. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word. Now, we know growing up, our parents, our mothers particularly, they had these uh, little strange ways of getting points across to us. 
And so did you ever wonder if mothers in the Bible did the same thing? Something they might have said to their children that would have got the point across. I found this list a few months ago, and I thought I'd share it this morning in honor of Mother's Day. Samson, get your hand out of that lion. You don't know where it's been. David, I told you not to play with that sling. Go practice your heart. We pay good money for those lessons. Abraham, stop wandering around the countryside and get home from supper. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, leave those clothes outside. You smell like a dirty old furnace. Cain, get off of your brother. You're going to kill him one day. Noah, no, you can't keep them. I've told you before, don't bring home any more strays. Gideon, look at your clothes. Have you been hiding in the wine press again? James and John, no more burping contests at the table. Come on, people are going to start calling you the sons of thunder. Judas, have you been in my purse again? And of course, the number one on the list is Jesus, close that door. What do you think? He was born in a, bar a born in a barn? You know, I almost blew that one. One of my fondest memories of my mother wasn't her cooking or her cleaning, although I think she lived in the kitchen most of the time, but my fondest memories are always around Christmas time and underwear. Mom always checked to make sure that we always had clean underwear, you know, in case we got into an accident. Now, I don't know how that would help us in an accident, but that was one of her rules. Now, at Christmas, Mom always made sure that we got underwear and socks. And to make it look like we got more presents, she would individually wrap these things in different presents. And when we asked her, well, why did we get underwear and socks? She says, you need them. So that, that's a kind of a fond memory. And in, in celebration of Mother's Day, I'd like to focus today on the relationship that Jesus had with his mother, Mary. Now, I think you'll agree that Mary, the mother of Jesus, exemplifies virtues common to most mothers of every age. And more importantly, Mary gives us a glimpse into the mysterious, marvelous, and challenging role of motherhood. What we know about Mary, the mother of Jesus, can be found in different short verses in the Bible. The first, in Luke's Gospel, comes months before Jesus was born. According to Luke, the angel Gabriel visited Mary and told her that God had found favor with her and that she was going to bear a son and call him Jesus. We see this in Luke chapter 1. Now Mary reacted kind of like you would expect. She says, how can this be, seeing that I'm a virgin? The angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, also the Holy One who is born from you will be called the Son of God. And Mary says, Behold the servant of the Lord, let it be done to me according to your word. Now long before Jesus took his first breath as a human, and long before she had any idea what was in store for her, she began to prepare a place in her heart for her unborn son. There was a child once asked his mother, says, Mom, where was I before I was born? And she says, Sweetheart, you were a thought in the mind of God. And then she might have added, and a prayer in my heart as well. And that's what it's like to have a newborn human come into your life. Now, as a man, I can't 
say I've ever experienced that. I've been on the other side of the coin. But you mothers, you know what it's like. And men will never know what it's like to carry a little person inside you. We can only marvel as the woman experiences this. And the baby comes to life in her womb and draws strength from her very lifeblood. Many of us will never, ever experience that, yet we see it happen all the time. Well, we'll do well to remember as well that just as our bodies are being nourished by the waters of the womb, so also our souls are being nourished by the loving thoughts and the prayers of the mothers. When it's all said and done, that's what mothers do best. They nurture their children. Now, frankly, I've never understood the capacity for mothers to be able to reassure and reprimand a child all in the same breath. But I tell you that there's contradictory forces working here. But for a mother, they go hand in hand. It's kind of their superpower. She wants to expose her children to all the possibilities of the world, while at the same time wants to protect them from all the dangers of the world. I don't know how to quite explain it other than saying that mothers are just like that. Now Mary appears in Jesus' life at the scene of what we call his first miracle. Now ironically, they're at a wedding and they run out of wine and it's Mary, the mother of Jesus, that says, Jesus, go on, turn that water into wine. We need more wine. Now in those days, the wedding party would go on for several days at a time. And once the wine was gone, the party was over. In this particular wedding, they ran out of wine prematurely. And Jesus is going, I really don't want to show myself yet. No one knew he had these powers. His mother did. Mary knew all about Jesus. But she's pushing him on. And she's saying, don't just stand there, do something. And he's going, mother. Um, okay, that's a you know kind of a translation there, my part. But you get the point. Jesus didn't want to get involved. He tells her in John 2, 4, my hour has not yet come. But his mother insisted, and we all pretty much do what mom wants us to do. So Jesus tells the stewards to fill the purification jars to the brim. And then he transforms the water into the best wine ever. Now, as I said, this was his first miracle. And it's fair to say that up to that point, no one knew Jesus could do this. Magicians could do this, but they didn't know Jesus had this power, except for Mary. She knew everything that her son was capable of and probably knew him better than himself at this point. When the time was right, she had him act. And this would be first of many miracles to come, as we know. Now, this is a quality mothers have, and it's hard to explain. Like a mother bird knows that her chicks know how to fly. They just have to be pushed a little bit. They've got to be told they can fly. They won't do it unless they have to. A lot of mothers will push the chick out of the nest, and the bird will fall to the ground, and before it gets there, it starts flapping its wings and learns how to fly. It has this instinct already. The mother knows when the time is right. So that's when she gets the courage to push them over the edge. Now, not every chick does this, but most do. 
And how does she know that this chick is strong enough to fly? She just knows the time is right. Now our passage today isn't about mothers, but it's about love. And love is the key ingredient here to being a good mother, just as it's the key ingredient to living a good Christian life. Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Now children tend to use this quote in a little different manner. They tend to try to use it as a tool or as leverage to get something out of uh, the parent that they want. Kids will say stuff like, well, if you love me, you'll buy me that toy. Or if you really love me, you'll let me do this. And that's not exactly what Jesus had in mind when he says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Jesus wasn't trying to twist our arms to get certain things out of us. He wasn't trying to fill us with guilt. He wasn't trying to manipulate us at all. Instead, he says this, uh, all of this with a sense of expectation. Basically, he says, if you love me, then this is the way love is shown and proved so that everyone will know that you love me. This is how you will spend yourself and your time. And that's how the woman who's credited with founding Mother's Day spent herself and her time. The woman credited with founding our modern observance of Mother's Day today is Anna Jarvis. Her Methodist church in Grafton, West Virginia is called the Mother's Day Church because Anna Jarvis was very active in her church. Her home in Grafton is now a national landmark. Anna Jarvis was inspired by none other than her mother, Anna Reeves Jarvis, who in the 1850s organized what she called the Mother's Workday Clubs in her area. These clubs, they provided medicines for the poor, they inspected milk for children, they provided nursing care for the sick, and they ran shelters for children with tuberculosis. And when the Civil War broke out, she called together all of her clubs and asked them to make a pledge that friendship and goodwill would not become a casualty of war. And throughout the war, the women nursed soldiers both on both sides of the lines, and they saved many lives. And Anna Reed Jarvis became a genuine peacemaker after the war because she began organizing Mother's Friendship Days to bring together families both from the North and the South that had been torn apart by war. Anna Jarvis, the daughter, was born in 1850, and she was an impressionable child and a teenager with her mother at the peak of this courageous work that she's doing. So in 1907, two years after her mother's death, she organized the first Mother's Day in Grafton, West Virginia, so that her mother's work of peace and her mission would never be forgotten. She campaigned for years to make this an American national event. And finally, in 1915, she succeeded when President Woodrow Wilson proclaimed the second Sunday in May as being Mother's Day. Now, another one of the earlier promoters of the idea of Mother's Day was Julia Ward Howe. She's the author of the Battle Hymn of the Republic. Julia Ward Howe was a militant, absolute, Okay, she, she was against war. Her battle hymn inspired the Union Army in the Civil War. And when the Civil War was over, Julia Ward Howe focused her attention on two other causes, voting rights for women 
and world peace. In 1870, war broke out between France and Prussia. The war in Europe didn't make sense to her, so she wrote, Why don't the mothers of mankind interfere in these matters to prevent the waste of that human life of which they alone know and bear the cost? Arise, Christian women of this day, as men have often forsaken the plow and the anvil at the summons of war. Let women on this day leave the duties of hearth and home to set out in work of peace. She began organizing what she called Mother's Peace Day festivals, which were celebrated annually on June 2nd. Her conviction was that though the world may be divided by war and conflict, the experience of childbirth could bind mothers of the world together into one family and they could make a difference. So the central concerns of those who established Mother's Day were civil liberties, international peace, overcoming poverty, and ministering to the poor and the sick. From the beginning, this was a day not simply to remember our own mothers, but to express the deepest form of love possible. We see that expressed in the lives of such mothers of Anna Reeves Jarvis and Julia Warhouse. And being a parent in today's society is difficult at best. Today, both parents have to make hard choices. In a society that now expects both parents to work in order to fulfill themselves and provide an income that will keep up with the Joneses and everyone else, it's hard to raise children with care that they need. If a young mother chooses to stay at home and to raise the child, she is looked down upon by other working mothers of being a less of a woman. If a young father chooses to stay at home and be the caregiver and the house husband, he's looked on as being a freak or a weirdo. And if both parents work, many times they feel guilty because the children aren't getting enough love and simple time with the parents. And then you throw single parents and blended families into the mix here, and you see how difficult it is for a parent in today's society. Now I think the answer, or at least part of the answer, lies in our verses today. The home is so important. It affects everything we do. Now normally what happens at home in the formative years determines how a child will live out the rest of their life. If a home is a place of violence, then in all likelihood, the children will also be violent. If a home is a place of faith and prayer, then generally the children from that home will be faith-filled and prayerful. If a home is a place of abuse, then that abuse will be perpetuated, whether through alcohol or drugs or other ways. If a home is a place of unconditional love and grace, then a child of that home will generally perpetuate also unconditional love and grace. Our passage today can help us in a number of ways. It teaches us that we should create a certain environment in our homes, an environment of love, an environment of grace, an environment of faith, and an environment of security. Now let's look at those for a second. When creating an environment of love, that's what this passage is all about today. Loving God and being loved by God. It's also how God shows that continued love through the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. It's all we're called to do, and that's to live that love and to allow ourselves to be mirrors of that love so the world can see us. 
Why? Because love builds self-esteem and self-worth. Love helps keep life centered and focused. Love helps us in ways that are selfless like Anna Jarvis and Julia Ward Howe. And then we should create an environment of grace. Here I mean a home life that is not judgmental. A home where children are given the opportunity to try out certain attitudes and ideas without recrimination or a load of guilt. A home life that allows for mistakes, and especially a home life that offers forgiveness when those mistakes are made. There's an old story about a boy and his mother who had been at the mall. And there the boy, he hadn't been very good. He, he wanted this and that. He ran off. He got into things where he shouldn't have. And all these things made for a bad day for the mom. And so he could sense on the way home, mom was a little displeased with him. He says, Mom, when we ask God to forgive us when we're bad, he does, doesn't he? Mom said, yes, he does. And the boy continues, and when God forgives us, God buries those sins in the deepest sea, doesn't he? Mom replies, yes, that's what the Bible said. The boy was silent for a while, and he said, you know, I've asked God to forgive me, but I'll bet when we get home, you're going to fish for all those sins, aren't you? <laughs> Today, unfortunately, we do go fishing for other people's sins. Sins that God has already forgiven and buried. And our home needs to be like certain diets. It needs to be guilt-free by being a place of grace and forgiveness. And then we should also establish a home as an environment of faith. One of the ways that we do that is through attending Sunday school and Sunday worship services with our kids. It's good to send kids to Sunday school and church, but it's even better when we go with them. There's another old story about a boy who was sort of disgruntled because he had to go to Sunday school and didn't get to stay home and watch TV with his dad. Dad heard him grumbling about this one morning and as they were getting ready to walk out the door. And, and so he intervenes and he says, look, son, you need to go to Sunday school and church because I went every Sunday when I was your age. Little boy turned around, his shoulders were slumped, headed out to the car, but not before his father heard him grumble. Yeah, and I'll bet it won't do me any good either. After Sunday school, he walked into the church to see his father sitting there in the church. So he no longer was grumbling. But what changed? Well, the father's attitude towards his faith changed. To be a good example, you need to have to be actively involved. To create an environment of faith, that's by being involved. One of my sons, when he was growing up, he would attend church every Sunday with his mom and I. And we'd go. When he turned 18, he got out on his own. He stopped going to church. Why? It was his decision to stop going to church. A few years later, he got married, had three boys of his own. They lived a block away from a little church. And so one Sunday, the the boy says, we want to go to church. They said, well, it's right down there. Just walk down the block and go. So they sent the boys off to church by themselves. Mom and dad slept in or done whatever they, they do on Sunday mornings. And after a few weeks, the boys was getting ready to go to church and says, we have a play that our Sunday school is putting on. We'd like you to come and watch it. So mom and dad got up, got dressed, and went to church and watched the play. After that, they got involved in the church they became involved again, and they became active in their faith and going to church with the boys every Sunday. 
because they realized sending the boys to church was one thing, but they needed to go with them. So after years of not going to church, my son and his family was going to church together again. Finally, we're challenged to create an environment of security. That's something a lot of kids don't have, not even in stable homes. Our children live in such a fragile society where everything is constantly changing. The only thing that doesn't change is that things change. The changes our children experience today are different than the changes that you and I experienced when we was growing up. One of the best gifts we can give our children is the same gift that God gives us, and that's the security of love. In a world filled with so much violence and so much hate, and so much that we don't even want our children to even know about. One of the best things that we can give them is security and stability. Sure, things change, but we can show them that our love for them will never change. We can give them secure family connections and a secure faith. We give them that security by being faithful ourselves. By making our faith and our discipleship a priority in our lives. We give them security by letting them know that no matter what happens, no matter how much they mess up, no matter what they do, we still love them. They're still our children. We may hate what they've done. We may even, even condemn their actions, but we will always, always love them. A few short verses for those after those today that we had. Jesus tells his disciples, this is my command that you love one another as I have loved you. Through Jesus, God loves us with a sacrificial, never-ending love that's not dependent on how good we are or what we do. God loves us. God loves the sinner and the saint with the same intense love. God simply wants us to love him back. And Jesus shows that we show that love by showing God's love, whether we're a mother or a father, the point is we love. Mies Fausler of the Mount Hope United Methodist Church in Aston, Pennsylvania, tells how she was trying to put her three-year-old son down for a nap one day. When she was unsuccessful, she put him in her bed and she laid down to encourage him to also take a nap. Well, she fell asleep, he didn't. Isn't that just like a kid? When she woke up, she saw him sitting on a chair at the end of the bed. She says, Luke, what are you doing? He says, I'm playing God. Playing God, she asked. Says, yes, I'm watching you while you sleep. See, children sometimes understand more than we give them credit for. God is always watching over us. God and Jesus gave us that promise by giving that Holy Spirit to us. And not only will God watch over us through the presence and the reminder of the Holy Spirit, but we're also reminded to love Jesus and keep his commands. And God will help us to create an environment of love, grace, faith, and security that we need in our homes today. And our challenge is to listen to the Holy Spirit and to trust Christ. Now I'm going to close out with this. Everyone's heard of Irma Bombeck, uh, Irma Bombeck, I think. Here's a story from Irma Bombeck that she writes. She says, while the good Lord was creating mothers, he was into his sixth day of overtime 
when the angel appeared and said, you're doing a lot of fiddling around on this particular one, the Lord says, well, have you read the specs on this order? She has to be completely washable, but not plastic, has to have 180 movable parts, all replaceable, run on black coffee and leftovers, have a lap that disappears when she stands up, have kisses that can cure anything from a broken leg to a disappointed love affair, and have six pairs of hands. The angel shook her head slowly and said, six pairs of hands? That's not possible. Lord says, well, it's not the hands that's causing me the problems. It's the three pairs of eyes that mothers have to have. And that's just on the standard model. And the, the Lord nodded, says, well, one pair needs to see through closed doors. And when she asked, what are you kids doing in there? She already knows. Another here in the back of her head that sees what she shouldn't, but she has the ability to already know. And of course, the ones in front that can look at a child when he goofs up and reflect, say, I understand, but I love you without so much as muttering a word. Lord, the angel said, touching his sleeve gently, come to bed, perhaps tomorrow. He says, no, I can't. I am so close to creating something like myself. Already, I have one who heals herself when she's sick, can feed a family of six on one pound, <coughs> excuse me, one pound of hamburger and get a nine-year-old to stand in a shower. The angel circled the model of the mother very slowly, and she says, it's too soft, but tough, said the Lord. You cannot imagine what this mother can do or endure. Can it think, asked the angel. Oh, not only can it think, it can reason and it can compromise, the Lord says. Finally, the angel bends over and runs her fingers across the cheek. She says, wait a minute, there's a leak. I told you, you're trying to put too much into this model. You cannot ignore the stress factor. The Lord moved in closer and gently picked up a drop of moisture on the tip of his finger. It glistened in the light. He said, hey, wait, that's not a leak. That's a tear. A tear, the angel said. What's it for? The Lord says, well, it's for joy, sadness, disappointment, compassion, pain, loneliness, and pride. You're a genius, the angel said. And the Lord looked somber and said, but you don't understand. I didn't put it there. <laughs> That's our Lord's message for this Lord's day. I hope that you found a blessing in it. So let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much. We thank you for putting so much into the mothers. They are the heart of our family. And we just ask, Lord, as we go out today to celebrate this day of honoring mothers that you'll be with us. You'll help us. You'll help us to remember why we're doing this, why we honor the mothers. Help us to be with our families today and our friends and, and just be with us each and every day. We ask this in your son, Jesus precious name. Let's go, to go out this week, be a blessing and be blessed, because the more you're a blessing, the more you will be blessed. Thank you all for coming. Happy Mother's Day to all you mothers, and we will see you next week.
Thank you for watching and listening to Dr. Rob White with the AULC Ministries. Athens Universal Life Church is a not-for-profit 501c3 organization. This production is an AULC Studios video production. Copyright 2012 to 2023. All rights reserved. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.